gifts this morning that were given to him. As we all pray for him by lifting our hands up towards him, towards our screens, crazy as it is, may he feel your presence from all of us and from you most especially. May the words that he say be acceptable and pleasing to you and may they speak to all of us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. People of God said together, Amen. Amen. Sorry, I'm messy. Am I okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, fine. Well, good morning. This series, uh, Jesus Speaks, in this series, we're going to be looking at a variety of biblical narratives, as, as Pastor Jeremy said, to see how Jesus speaks, is to see how people respond to him. Today, I want to talk about the elusive voice of Jesus. Now, the word elusive is a word that is not often used today. Its definition is kind of interesting to me. In the free dictionary online, it says elusive, baffling, difficult to catch, difficult to comprehend, difficult to understand. Hasn't that, word, hasn't that definition been used a lot over the last three months? <laughs> As we've been trying to figure out who we are and what we're doing and how we do that, we've been using other words, but the true reality is, is that it's been elusive. Elusive in how we are supposed to, to navigate our lives and, and how we're supposed to understand the things that we're hearing along this period of time. How many times have we heard people say, I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand COVID-19. Why aren't people taking this as serious as they should? I don't understand what God's doing here. Where is God? The disciples in the post-resurrection story that we're going to talk about today had many of the same feelings about where God was and what God was doing and, and what was happening in their community, especially when they were confronted by the resurrected Christ. So I'm hoping today, as we heard the disciples maybe saying in their time, is this really Jesus and what is his plan? What is Jesus saying? Can we hear the elusive voice of Jesus today? As we begin, let's, let's understand and put this in context. Everybody in this biblical story was locked down. Now, Normally, I would have spent a little bit of time talking about what lockdown meant. They were in one space and all of that. But I don't have to do that. Because Amen. we know what that is. We know what lockdown is. We know what, what physical isolation is. The reason that the disciples were isolated at that point was that Jesus had just been crucified and buried. There were reports from the women at the tomb that it was empty. John and Peter had gone to the tomb and found that it was empty. Still, the eleven were shuttered down in an upper room because they weren't sure what was going to happen next. You see, these guys and, and the folks that were there that were with them were concerned that maybe even the people who had put Jesus to death would have come to follow them and get them, and do the same to them. 
And in the midst of all of this that was going on, on the first day, the Bible says, Jesus suddenly appeared. I, you know, I'm not sure what, what you would do, but, but I'm not sure that I would have handled that real well. The person who I knew was dead, who had been buried, suddenly shows up. And it says he didn't even come in through the door. He, like, appeared. <laughs> I think that Jesus knew what was going on. I, knew, I think Jesus knew exactly what their response was going to be because the first words out of his mouth were, Shalom. Now, shalom is, is just this amazing word. It's a, it's a greeting but it literally means peace. In the midst of all of the craziness that was going on, in the midst of the fear and the concern and the sorrow that all of these people were, were feeling, Jesus said, Shalom, peace to you. In Luke chapter 24, we read these words. While they were still talking about this, the disciples, that is. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking that they had seen a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands, my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still didn't believe it because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? He was famished. They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. <laughs> it does. I am amazed by this story because Jesus went out of his way to make sure they understood that he was who he was. Today, my friends, Jesus is going out of his way to speak to us in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our sorrow of the losses that we've had, in the midst of the confusion that we experience, Jesus still continues to go out of his way to make sure that he knows that we know who he is. And I mean, let's think about this. Does the resurrected Christ really need food? But he knew. He absolutely knew that they knew that only a resurrected, real Christ would be eating. Because you see, he had been doing that with them for so long. He had been joining at table and teaching and celebrating. In a very real way, the man of sorrows that happened in that pre-resurrection story became the man of shalom, peace, in the post-resurrection.
while the disciples were keeping the death ritual of the Jewish people called Shiva. It is the seven-day mourning period where all the mirrors in the house are covered and everyone's wearing dark, and, and they seclude themselves and their family. Jesus came on that first day to bring joy out of sorrow, to bring hope out of fear. The only way that I am able to get through all of the, the fear and the, and, the, and the troubles that I've ever gone through, this being one of them, but, but, but even before this, even throughout my life, was to be able to understand that the resurrected Jesus is not a man of sorrow anymore, but he is a man of joy and resurrection and shalom. In verse 44, Jesus spoke to them again. And he said, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what the Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. As he shared with them in the upper room, Jesus again reminded him of all of what the scriptures had told them about who he was, who he was going to be, and what his plan was to be. Isn't it interesting that as we go on our journey so many times, we, we are filled on Sunday mornings and we are filled on Monday through Friday through Saturday mornings with Bible study and scripture and sermons. And we hear all the good news of Jesus and what God is doing. But when we are faced head on with fear and concern as these disciples were, suddenly it disappears. We just forget It's not that it's not there. And I think the interesting thing with what Jesus was doing in this story was that it said he was reminding them of everything that had happened. Through that time of of, of preparation, they were hearing afresh and anew what God was doing and what God could do. During this time that we have, maybe we need to step back, be still, and be reminded. Be reminded each day of of the goodness of God. Be reminded each day of, of what God is doing and how God is working in our lives, even when we sometimes don't see it. The parallel story for 
this post-resurrection encounter is found in Luke. I'm sorry, it's found in John chapter 20. And I want to read a little bit of that to you um, because the encounter that John writes about is written just a little bit differently than Luke. There are a few things added in that story. So in Luke, excuse me, in John chapter 20, verse 21, it says, Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If any, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. You see, Jesus was giving them the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was setting them out on a mission that they had. He said, "This all that I'm asking you to do is going to be possible because I am giving you the Holy Spirit. Now, for many of us, the, the work and the power of the Holy Spirit is elusive sometimes. We don't quite understand how it works, but we know that it's there. What Jesus is saying to them is that I am sending you out to live in that power. And as you live in that power, you will see the power and be able to work and to do ministry in it. And he breathed on them. And actually, the, the true, the true um, words, the true definition of breathed on them, the biblical understanding of that is actually he breathed into them. He filled them with the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus gave them staying power. And that's, that's kind of hard for us right now, isn't it? It's hard to, to stay and be still. Yesterday, I had to um, go run a quick errand. And I looked and, and watched how many people are not doing well staying. And I remember in my life, you know... It's hard to just sit and be still and be quiet. The disciples had just remembered the good news from Jesus, but again, he told them to stay still. That's not what they wanted to hear. But why? Shiva was a time to remember, to reflect, to be quiet. Jesus knew that his followers were going to need this time for their ministry. Jesus knew that they were going to need this time of preparation to get ready for the amazing things that God was going to do in their lives and through their lives in the world. Staying so many times is the hardest thing to do. 
it is, it is much easier to quit school than to stay and struggle through it. It is much harder to, to stay in one place than to go out <coughs> excuse me, and try to be um, involved in life. It is harder for me to sit and listen for the still, small voice of God than it is to go out and try to do what I want to do. But this elusive voice of God was telling them, it's time to stay and be still. Earlier, Jesus had told them, and it's recorded in Luke, he said, in a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. This is pre-resurrection. This was pre-crucifixion. He had already told them this. He said, in a little while, the Father will send the Holy Spirit who will teach you and remind you of all that I have taught you. This time of being still was a time for them to stop and reflect and hear and know what God's plan for them was. So how do we hear the voice of Jesus? That's always the, the question that I've been, got, I've, I've been asked. How do we hear the elusive voice of Jesus? That, that, that voice that sometimes is so hard to hear. Well, I believe maybe there are, are three ways that I'd like to suggest to us to maybe reflect on this week. Number one is, is conscience. Conscience is an interesting thing. Have you ever done something and you heard that small voice in the back of your head saying, why are you doing that? I used to tell people I thought it was my mom. My mom has been, uh, out of, has been deceased for over 30 years. And when I would do stuff that I knew she wouldn't like, you know, I, I could hear her telling me, you're an idiot, boy. <laughs> what are you doing? But how many times have we found ourselves looking or trying to get into something we know we shouldn't be doing? And we hear that still, small voice saying, maybe not. Or, how many times have you found yourself right at the crossroads of being able to make a difference for God? knowing that it was going to be difficult, knowing that it was going to be scary, and wanting to go the other way because it was just the easier path. And you heard the voice in your head. You heard your conscience say, do the right thing. Follow God. Before you think you're all of that in a bag of chips, folks, it's not you thinking it. It is God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe, giving us those words. Giving us that, that gentle guidance. Sometimes it seems elusive. But if it follows Scripture, which I believe is the essential test for following those, those small voices, if it follows Scripture, then go down that road. God has something amazing for you. 
The Bible talks about a time when old men will have dreams and young men will have visions. Our minds have an interesting way of reminding us of things. And again, please understand what you're dreaming or what you're thinking or, or how you're visioning this, this word from God must be parallel with what Scripture says. That's how elusive becomes concrete. As we hear these small voices, go to Scripture. Go to Christian friends. And speaking of Christian friends, I believe that we hear from Jesus. We hear that voice of Jesus through the body of Christ, through other believers who are with us who are on the journey with us so many times. People like Pastor Louise and Barbara and, and Mark and Betty Barrow and others have been my, my spiritual conscience sometimes, speaking to me and helping me see the direction that God wants me to go. Pastor Jeremy and Davis and Debbie and, and that whole family of folks that that are around me and and are part of my life here in Middle Tennessee. When they're giving suggestions, I know that, that it's God using them to speak to me. Even sometimes when I don't want to hear it. So through our conscience, through our dreams, through the body of Christ, the people who have God has put in our lives, we're able to hear and to see who God is and what God is doing. You see, Jesus promised and gave the gift of the Holy Spirit who will dwell in us. The job of the Spirit is to teach us and to remind us that all of all that Jesus has taught us. Jesus is speaking, sometimes a little elusive, a little maybe hard for us to understand, but Jesus is speaking. He loves us so much that even in the midst of our fear, even in the midst of our concern, Jesus speaks in that small, very clear voice, words of joy, words of hope, words of encouragement, words of shalom. Jesus is speaking to you, my friends. What do you hear? Thank you, Rick, for those words this morning. I also want to give a shout out to our Facebook family, because sometimes I don't get the chance to see all those, and I wanted to shout out to everybody who's watching us from Facebook this morning, Stephen, and Joy's apparently a top fan now, so Joy's a top fan, so I guess if you look at our posts a lot, you get to be a top fan, like Joy, and uh, Lori, and Barbara Jones, and Shelly, and Gail, and uh, Valerie Porter, and James Leisure, and what? Who? I know, I'm going through the list. It's okay. Uh, Mary Sue, Jack, and LaDonna. 
Stephanie, Sandy, we mentioned Ray earlier, the Nichols, uh, we mentioned Misty before, Ed and Linda Patterson, who are on Facebook now, don't tell anybody, Betty, and uh, let's see if there's anybody else, Sandy, and Lynn Smith, Theta, and there you go, and Francis. Member used to be here when she moved away, but now she's able to be with us again online. So we're thankful for that too. So we're thankful for all of you uh, coming out and being a part of that. And if you're on our email list, and we'll post it today actually uh, uh, about it. But last Sunday I talked to you about an invitation of praying Psalm 91 for 91 days. So the question I want to ask you are. All of you is, are you praying Psalm 91 for 91 days? Now, I encourage you to set an alarm for this. You could try like 9, 10 a.m. or 9, 10 p.m. or both. 9, 10, you get it? 9, 1, it's only I could figure out. But So there may be some other times out there. But 9, 10, either one of those might be a great way to do that. And I want you to join together in using this prayer protection to pray for our pandemic. And so last week we also uh, shared with you, and it was in our email this week where you click on it and see it, but we shared with you this model prayer that you could pray, or of course you can pray whatever you want to, but here's a way to pray that prayer too. So let's uh, uh, look at that together. I just want you to listen to it and just hear it and sit and listen for Jesus' voice in this. And uh, like I said, I'll be posting it uh, on our website and also posting on our Facebook page today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the rest that comes when I choose to live in your shelter. I declare you alone are my refuge, my place of safety. You are my God. I trust in you. I pray you will protect me and my family from the coronavirus. I pray you will cover me and shelter me. I thank you for your faithful promises that remind you will protect me. Help me not to be afraid of all that I hear and all that I see. Help me not to dread the virus that is terrorizing our world. Lord, many are sick and more are fearful and anxious. I pray protection for me, my family, my church, my community, my city, my state, my country, my continent, my world. I pray, Lord, as I make you my refuge, that no evil will conquer us nor come near our home. I pray for protection by your angels wherever I go. Lord, I love you. I trust you. Please rescue and protect me. Thank you for answering when I call. Thank you for being with me in trouble. Thank you for salvation and the hope of heaven. Amen. And what I want you to do now is to just take a moment to really center yourself on the presence of God. To sit in the presence of God, not doing anything else. Just a time of hearing and recognizing the voice of Jesus. So as you listen to this song, what a beautiful name. I want you to soak in those words and to really reflect. Maybe not even sing, but just listen or sing low. And just listen and let these words waft over you and just fill you in waves and waves. Let us enter into the stillness and sit in the presence of God.
That's what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. He's speaking to you right now. He will continue to speak to you. His voice might be elusive sometimes. So listen in the ways that Rick talked to us about today. And for these words of encouragement, I wanted to share something with you that Lana sent. She said, thank you, Lord. Praise that my nephew goes back to work tomorrow. So there is good news out there, folks. It's all around us. There are exciting things. Max Licato says, We have a high priest who is able to understand, and since he understands, we find mercy and grace when we need it. When we fall, we are not forgotten. When we stumble, we are not abandoned. Our God gets us. Our God gets us. And God is with you right now, every step of the way. So as it gets old and as school gets old and as not going to work gets old and not going to places gets old and as it continues to drag on and you're starting to feel that pressure, know that our God gets us and that God is with you and with me right now. We're all going to have those times. Breathe deep, my friends. Breathe deep. Breathe in the spirit and the presence of God. The Ruach, it's called. The spirit that comes from inside, that's down deep. And now may you shelter, not only in place, but in peace. And may the peace and comfort of Christ be with you now and forevermore. We love you. We miss you. We are still together. And together we are good shepherd. We're praying for you. Pray for us. Amen.